Be a Wine Boat Insider. I'm Ron Edwards, Master Sommelier, and I invite you to explore the people, brands, and trajectory of Winebow, fine wine, and spirits. This is your backstage pass. Meet us on the inside. The people of Winebow make everything possible. Today, let's go inside the warehouse with Roy Combs, Senior Vice President of Operations, Kyle Rebstock, Vice President of Distribution Center Management, Brian Cole, Regional Operations Director, and Bob Mole, Operations Manager. This is Warehouse 101. Welcome, Roy. Great to have you on the podcast. Winebow Insider is uh, going to feature our warehouse today. And um, since you're so- sort of the director of that play, I'd love for you to take us behind the scenes and give us a, a you know a, a big vision of what that entails and how you see the idea of operations and warehouse. Well, Ron, it's great to be uh, here. It's great to be joining you with, on the Wine Boy Insider. Uh, obviously, it's nothing less than you know, an honor for me to, uh, you know, to lead this operations team. As I joined the operation or joined Wine Boy September 7th, you know, I spent my time going around to the different facilities, all seven facilities. Um, and I just can't say enough about the leadership team that we have out there. It quickly allowed me to, to formulate, you know, the, the pathway ahead and to focus our efforts in three areas. Those three areas would be, you know, establishing and making sure that we have a winning and engaging culture, first and foremost. Number two is focus on the structure. Are we set up for success? And number three is what's our strategy to win? So those are the three areas, Ron, that that we will, as I say, go forward and ensure that we have some winning plays and if you look at, you know, we're all looking at the sports right now, football, we want to make sure that our playbook is effective to get us not only a first down or to get us, you know, down the field, but to get us across the goal line. So, so Ron, that's where we're headed in terms of operations. Culture is such a big conversation right now in the world of corporate America. Maybe give me a little bit more specific about what you mean by having a winning culture. Absolutely, Ron. The, the first thing I would say is we have to have a culture that supports inclusion. And for that reason, you know, we look outside of operations as well as inside of operations to determine, you know, if we're giving an opportunity to everyone to be successful, first and foremost. The second thing is the having a culture of engagement. We have to make sure that we're engaged at every level, whether it's myself, whether it's, you know, our VP of operations, Cal Repstock, you know, we have to make sure that we're engaged at every level with, the, with our front line. Uh, hence why we recently executed a program back in December called Adopt and Op. And that's where every member of the executive team uh, picked a time and picked a location, and they went out and actually worked on the front lines with our associates, whether it was being a passenger of a delivery truck or whether it was working in a warehouse and helping pick, pick that order for a customer for, you know, for our peak season. It was a great display of support and engagement from our, from our senior leadership team. And the last thing that I will say here, Ron, is we, we must establish a, a culture of winning. In order to do that, you know, it's my intent for the operations team to understand what winning looks like. And we celebrate our wins. So for that reason, Ron, I, I, I'm, I'm pleased to announce that the operations team will have an annual celebration and we will recognize the operation that hosts stellar results. This gathering that I'm talking about it's called our Timely Celebration Ceremony 
where we will give someone a Super Bowl style ring to say, hey, you have been the winner for this year. We will crown them with a blue wine bowl blazer to say, you have mastered what it means to be the operator of the year. We want to ensure that we have a culture of recognition and a culture of appreciation. And we'll have that timely celebration ceremony for the operational leader. But at the same time, we'll have a huge celebration for the facility and everyone that got us to that point. That's awesome. I think that's great. So now the question comes to you instead of you interviewing everybody else. What keeps you up at night about Warehouse? The one thing, Ron, that I worry about is the safety of our associates. Based on my travels to each and every facility, we have a great footprint. We, we do great work. And this past December just demonstrates that we can make miracles happen. What I cringe about sometimes is just ensuring that, again, we have that safety culture to make sure that we don't push the boundaries of human capability. Hence why we want to get some technology into our buildings to lessen the dependence on the human capital or the human labor, whether it's picking up that case of wine or picking up 50 cases of wine an hour, we can get some robots to do that for us, if possible. Well, I think that's a very worthy thing to keep you up at night about. And I'm, I'm glad you care about those people because they deserve to be cared about. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the podcast. It's time to talk about some other interesting things and run through this. Your beginning segment sort of like the fast facts with Kyle. How many warehouses do we operate within Winebow? Hi, Ron, glad to be here. So currently we have seven distribution centers uh, scattered across the country. We have four on the East Coast, uh, one in Central, uh, the Midwest there, and then we have two out on the West Coast. Okay, so those are our, our warehouses, but what about like upstate New York or New or North Carolina or one of those, how's that work? Yeah, absolutely, that's a great question. So we do obviously deliver to more states than seven, where we're located. So throughout the country, we have about 15, uh, what we call cross dock locations. These are much smaller facilities, whether they're uh, leased, Winebow leased facilities or third party where we rent space. And in those facilities, uh, we typically don't have any inventory, but what we have is remote drivers who, uh, who will dispatch from those facilities remotely and handle local routes uh, throughout the country in those states where we do not have a distribution center. Okay. So how many employees do we have working in warehouses across the country these days? Across, across the country, we roughly have around 250 warehouse uh, dedicated associates. That's a pretty good bunch of people. So that how many shifts run in each warehouse? Is it one big shift or is it three? Or uh, The typical warehouse uh, uh, in all seven is a two-shift operation. In the morning is usually about a 7 a.m. to 4.30 and there, that you have the receiving function, inbound, put away, uh, your inventory control, cycle counting, and those types of things. Uh, and then the uh, evening shift, uh, for the most part, it's a 7 p.m., the 5.30 a.m. shift. Although, if the work's not done, they'll work until they're done. Um, so the, typically, it's a two-shift operation. You know, a couple of the buildings will scatter the start time just to kind of have a mid-shift to do what we call replenishment in the midday. Uh, before we uh, start to get to our picking shift at night. All right, let's start with the process. I'm sales rep X and I've submitted my order and it went through customer service and through the magic of the digital world, it shows up somewhere in 
the warehouse domain, I'll call it, because it might actually not be in the building. It might be somewhere else. But take it from that moment to um, getting through that first step. Sure. So once our customer service and uh, accounts receivable departments finish what they have to do with the orders, uh, they send what's called a flat file uh, to the the warehouse. And that'll end up uh, with our router. So we have a position that's called a router. Uh, in all seven distribution centers. And that router somewhere between the five to six o'clock window will get a group of orders that are that are need to be uh, routed, scheduled and routed for the next day's deliveries. So he'll receive that, he or she will receive that file and they'll go through a process of uh, um, policing the orders, if you will, looking for orders to make sure they meet minimum order guidelines and that are scheduled for the next day. Uh, what they do is we, we have a standard uh, software system called RoadNet, which is our routing tool. And uh, they will go through a process of either static or dynamically routing based on geography, the group of orders they have for the next day's deliveries. They will start with uh, those cross dock locations because of the geography and the distance they are away from the distribution center. We want to dispatch those trucks first via a shuttle whether it's a Weinbow uh, driver truck or a third-party shuttle company. So we'll, we want to route those first in what we call a batch routing, and we'll route those groups of, of routes first so we can then dispatch the, and send that file to the warehouse floor so we can then generate the label and the picking process. And then, of course, the next thing we'll do is route um, the local routes that dispatch out of the, the distribution center because those are closer, and typically those are a a later morning dispatch because of the the distance they travel. So they'll they'll route within batches, and that way we can continuously feed orders and work, if you will, to the warehouse. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, So it's all laid out digitally. The pick labels are being generated, and now we're physically inside the warehouse with the pick labels. And, And let's bring in Brian Cole and talk us through, they've got pick labels, they're physically in their hands, and what happens with them? Hey, Ryan, thank you for having me on. Uh, so once we have the actual pick label, um, our supervisor will pass it on to our frontline employees. We'll have the startup meeting. A bulk of our pick is going to be happening during the night shift. So each operation is going to have uh, around uh, the same start time, around 7 p.m. Uh, supervisor will pass on uh, in typically in the waves. So on batches, we would get labels uh, and each wave would essentially be a pallet worth of product and it could be to either one customer or it could be to multiple customers. So once that supervisor passes it on and assigns it to an employee, an employee would take a scan gun and scan the front label, which would enable that order to be present onto the scan gun. And uh, it'll follow all the directions on the scan gun, tell you exactly which location to go to once that employee signs into that scan gun. Now, each site could be set up a little bit different and there's different types of pick that each site could be um, essentially uh, going through uh, in each night operation. So you can have a bulk pick, you can have oddball pick, you can have bottle pick, and then you have larger sites that actually have automation with conveyors. Uh, that is kind of a whole realm of uh, a different avenue of how to pick product. And so uh, once we do pick, uh, scan the label, we go through the locations that it's telling you to. You scan the location to confirm that you're indeed at that correct location. And then you scan uh, the individual item case number 
that tells you you're picking the right product. It'll tell you the vintage, it'll tell you the description and, and how many cases. So when you have the case labels uh, that you obtain from your supervisor, uh, you take the case label and you apply it to each of the cases that you're actually picking. And you go through the pick path. And again, each site is built different in how their pick path is laid out. But typically it's based off of velocity uh, and we want to be able to pick the most efficient as possible. Uh, in the Illinois warehouse in particular. So hold that thought for a second. You, you mentioned taking the label and putting it on the case you're picking. Let me make sure that I understand what you mean. It either goes on the case like, yeah, I, this pick ticket is for a full case of wine. Boom, it goes on. But if it's a partial case, because I think all of our warehouses do individual pick bottles, um, then you're talking about putting it on one of our wine bow white boxes, right? Like here's what goes in this box. That is correct. And that's what we call a split case. So that's less than full case is going to be a split case and it'll essentially be loose bottles. Those also still generate labels as well. You listed several kind of locations or zones or styles of picking, and each one of those has a relative nature of whether you're talking about full cases, which are, I assume, more automated, and then partial cases are very manual. Yes, that's correct. And I think uh, in each site, there are certain employees that are specialized more so in different areas uh, that make them efficient and stand out. Um, and in the bulk locations, you're dealing with all full cases. You're not dealing with anything less than a case. In oddballs, it could be a full case or it could also be um, partial cases. But then in bottle rooms, it's always going to be, of course, less than full cases. Okay. So in some cases, then for the individual pick bottles, you might have a rack of popular items where you might be, they're serving them to you in three and six bottles at a time, but you're still having to take them out of one case and put them in another. And then there's the single bottle room would be ones that are most often sold out the door in, in onesies and twosies. Is Do I understand you correctly? Yeah. And again, it kind of all depends on how each warehouse is set up. Uh, so uh, for example, in my warehouse in Illinois, we have limited room for options as far as loose bottles go. So we want to be able to have um, in our gravity flow racks, uh, some fast moving popular items that have higher velocity We'll have those because we can fit up to 22 to 25 cases in each of those bins. Uh, so we can have both full cases and loose bottles in there. Uh, but then we have an extensive, uh, essentially less than one case uh, locations in our oddball area where we can have very slow moving items uh, that won't take much space, uh, but is not quite fast enough for less than one case loose bottle pick in our bottle. So it all kind of depends on how you want to lay out your warehouse uh, and really how the pick path is set up essentially at each warehouse to make it the most efficient process. And you really want to make sure it's an accurate process too. Definitely. Accuracy is a big deal. <laughs> Ask any sales rep, right? Um, so what keeps you up at night about what you do and, and the people that work with you? You know, when Roy joined the company, that was one of the questions that he posed to each of the operations managers. And one of the answers that I gave back to him was whenever we have a uh, system downtime, uh, whether it's a planned downtime, uh, which typically we'll know about, of course, uh, but unexpected downtime, uh, it can be real disruptive of operate operations. So Kyle, let's bring you back in here. How many people are working in the average warehouse? You know, on average, on a night shift, you'll have about 20 people. 
And uh, that would include the hourly as well as uh, a team lead or, or supervisor or manager on that shift. And that's a night shift at one of our larger facilities like Ashland, New Jersey, California? Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely, Ron. They're, they're typically in that 20 to, to 24. And then the, uh, uh, the facilities like Georgia and Chicago and Washington, you could somewhere around that 15, uh, 12 to 15 uh, on a night shift operation. Do you happen to have a record of who the longest tenured employee in the warehouse team is? Uh, we don't necessarily have to call them out by name, but how about number of years? Well, um, that's a great question. And, um, you know, as Roy mentioned earlier with the safety and the, the, the challenging job of a, of a Winebow night shift employee with the weight uh, and the hours that they work, um, it's probably a lot less than people think. So our facility that has the most tenure on a night shift operation is six years is the average. And uh, that we'll have to call out and congratulate Florida for being that location. So let's bring in Bob Mole because I want to talk about this very interesting combination of automated and manual that gets orders from a shelf onto the conveyor and then to a truck. How do we know that we've picked the right thing? How do we verify that the order is correct? I'll take you through the process quickly without getting too technical. Uh, the pick label that we generate internally is given to our pick zones, our pickers, our, our team members in the pick zones. Uh, they take that pick label, verify that pick label will take them to a bin or a location where that proper case sits. They'll label that case, put it onto the conveyor. The case starts its conveyor journey. In a perfect world, the next human hand that touches it is in the truck, stacking it on the floor or on a pallet for delivery. Um, throughout the journey through the uh, conveyor system, there's several scanners. Um, the first scanner is, is what we call our tunnel scanner. And that takes our internal label that our team member had put on the case and matches it to the supplier's barcode. If those two don't match, we know it's the wrong product. Going down that line, line stops, it diverts that case, and that's where the manual check comes in. So any cases that's diverted off of that tunnel scanner, we know something's wrong. Either it's the wrong case, there's a bad barcode, whatever. A supervisor then gets involved, manually checks it, manually scans, checks against the route, and we reprocess it when we discover whatever the problem is with that case. If that case scans good through the tunnel scanner, it's what it comes up to what we call our diverter scanner. And that diverter scanner is going to divert that case where it's supposed to go to what truck it's supposed to go into. Okay, so that case comes to the final scan, which is the door scanner. Um, that scans right before it gets into the truck and loaded for delivery. Um, and what that door scan does is if our driver gets to a third or fourth stop and says, hey, this case isn't in the truck, we'll go to that label scan, we'll see what time that door scanned, we'll go to cameras and say, hey, we know we saw that thing get on the truck. Um, if that's the case, then it's driver error or customer error previous, we'll make some calls and, and we typically find the case. Um, if you don't have that tunnel scanner, um, we, we put in an audit system where we'll, we'll stand at a, at a computer and watch those cases go through, with whether being manually loaded onto a truck or with the conveyor. And there's a system of audits for bottle picks, case picks, to verify that that product is correctly loaded onto the truck. 
So it's like the, the invoice pops up on a screen or however it's this, these items are supposed to be here. And then the stickers on the box in front of you and you're verifying the sticker, the invoice and the actual included models. That's correct. Everything aligns with multiple audits. Okay. That's awesome. That's, that's a lot of, um, system checks and, and um, redundancy fail safes. So I was fascinated by, in the research about this idea that all these cases and all these wine coming from all these different orders, even if they're being batched, are making it to the conveyor and now they're all there together, but they have to go to the right truck, they have to go to the right account. And I was really amazed by what I kind of interpreted as like this stock car race of, of boxes going around in an oval. Tell us about that. That is what it looks like at, at first appearance. Um, but with the automation and the scanning, um, I mean, we can do 12 to 14,000 cases a night. Each one of those cases needs to be verified through the system. It's uploaded through systems, through our operating systems, that that comes out by route, by stop, by truck. So everything's on the, the oval conveyor. The final case comes through that belongs to X account in such and such town. And now the system knows it's all on the conveyor. How does it get off the conveyor into the truck all as one piece? We have a, a loader conveyor that comes out automatically. Once that route is done in the system, you still have multiple routes on the conveyor system. Once that route is done, that conveyor will pull out. Let's start this truck. And it just keeps going like that all night. We do, we do two trucks uh, at a time in New Jersey. Um, and it's, it's very seamless. Hey Kyle, I have some other things that I want to ask you uh, that are I think are fun that will add perspective to this conversation for the person who doesn't work in a warehouse and and that is like what is the average number of bottles shipped per night? Well, you know, um, I did a little research on that, Ron, and I uh, I pointed I picked out the, our largest uh, volume facility, uh, our North Jersey facility, and and. Uh, Surprisingly, you know, um, and I converted that bottle count to cases, really, because of the way our systems do that. And you could you could do the math on the bottles, but just under one million cases uh, were picked last year uh, out of our New Jersey location. So uh, just a tremendous amount of volume going through that facility. And uh, the warehouse works four days a week picking wine, picking and shipping, right? That's correct. Okay, so let me do some math for everyone. That's about 204 shipping days a year, which gives us 4,900 cases a shipping day out of the warehouse. That's 58,800 bottles per shipping day. That's 245 cases per person working in the warehouse out the door. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And going back to the safety, you know, our, our focus on safety and this driving safety culture throughout our organization, you know, when you take the average weight of a case of wine, anywhere from 35 to 40 pounds on average, you know, and you divide that by the number of people that are, that are handling those cases physically, case by case, in most cases, whether they're picking it to a conveyor or stacking it from the conveyor into the pallet or to the truck, an employee at night is averaging about 10,000 pounds. 10,000 pounds per person per night. That's, that's some heavy lifting. Pardon the pun. I love that fact. That's amazing. And picking accuracy. We picked a million cases in 
uh, 200 nights and we shipped them out to our, our clients and we had a picking accuracy percentage of what? With our great people that we have and with some of the great systems that we have in place and processes, um, we do extremely well overall with a 99 plus percent accuracy of our picks. So when we do miss something, it's definitely an anomaly. I hope it's very clear to everyone as it was to me as I talked with each of you getting ready for this that you know the intention of perfection is really the goal that that even the 99% you may consider that to be a great number but you would rather it be 100 gentlemen I thank you for taking us inside the warehouse thanks for joining me behind the scenes at Winebow Fine Wine and Spirits be sure to follow Winebow Insider on Apple Podcast or Spotify until the next episode be kind be successful